Hi, uh, welcome to Expert Talks at Mavris. This is the interview series with thought leaders in the AI analytics transformation and tech space. My name is Mahadevan Ayer, Maha for short. I'm your host for today. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Mavris, which is a managed marketplace for on-demand analytics and business transformation services. Our guest for today is Piyush Chawan. Piyush is the CIO of Panda Retail, which is a Savola Group company. Prior to Panda Retail, Piyush was the group CIO at Lulu Hypermarket. He was also before that CIO of Arvind Lifestyle Brands. Piyush has held senior leadership roles in the tech and transformation space at Walmart Labs and before that with Tesco. He is the global co-chair of Ivanta, which is a Gartner group company, which enables CIOs to share ideas and nurture them. He was also part of the NASCOM steering committee for IoT and AI. Piyush is an industry leader and evangelist who talks about digital transformation at various forums. Uh, he writes frequently on his blogs. So Piyush, thank you so much for making time and talking to us at Expert Talks at Mavris. Thank you, Maha, for having me. It's a pleasure. And thank you for the nice introduction. Thanks, Piyush. So Piyush, I mean, um, over the last 15 odd years, I mean, you have held senior uh, transformation and tech leadership roles. Uh, we worked together at Tesco and then, you know, you've been at Walmart, uh, you know, with Arvind uh, Lifestyle Brands, which is uh, essentially in the you know, apparel and fashion space. Uh, then you moved to uh, Lulu Hypermarkets and now with, uh, you know, uh, Panda uh, Retail, which is a grocery retailer, as I understand. Um, so tell us about your journey. What have been some of your learnings? Uh, you know, what are some of the trends you are picking up? Sure, absolutely. So let me walk you through the journey that I've gone through. And uh, if I were to kind of summarize it, it is divided into three parts. Yeah. Uh, the first part was uh, built around uh, building knowledge about the industry and consulting. So I started my journey with TCS at that time, actually Tata Infotech. Uh, which was then merged with TCS and then with Wipro for a uh, good amount of time, working with retailers and trying to understand the industry, understand what goes on in technology. And uh, you would not believe when I started with TCS, uh, it's not very long back, but uh, in 1997, we used to develop code, we used to put it in a floppy disk. That floppy yeah. disk used to uh, be kind of wrapped in, in an envelope and the envelope used to be shipped to US uh, that that's the that's the journey that I've gone through, and I've seen that transformation uh, of uh, tech, which happened after Y2K and and consulting space. So that was my first formative years. Uh, post that, uh, I uh, kind of uh, started working with retailers, and that is when I started uh, having interactions at Tesco. Uh, so I joined Tesco, which is my longest stint and uh, one of the most fruitful and most learning uh, stint, I would say. In that eight years, I've, I've seen uh, multicultural retail. I've seen retail uh, right uh, from Japan till the US, which means that uh, the, almost the entire globe, uh, the North American, uh, North, uh, North Equator globe uh, is something which I've traversed, uh, understood uh, nuances of retail, understand the cultural differences, uh, led a lot of transformation programs and subsequently worked with a retailer uh, like Walmart as well. Uh, also looking after international business. So that gave me uh, the uh, whereabout and know-how of how international retail works. Uh, what are, uh, although we may call it as modern retail, 
but every country has its own uh, flavor to it every country has its own nuances uh, and that is a learning that i that i built in the second part which is my uh, kind of putting in transformation into retail in an international context and the third stage is when i started uh, using that from a leadership position uh, which is when i it was a very tough decision to leave walmart the fortune 1 company and then move into urban but i would say it was a it was a if i look back it was a decision which i really appreciate about and that gave me an opportunity to lead it from the front how you uh, interact with the board how you are uh, interested with the transformation agenda and you are uh, kind of defining devising strategies and then leading that transformation so from arvind uh, doing it across the country it was a little different domain uh, unlike the walmart and the tesco which is more general retail uh, this was more fashion retail but that gave me a very very good understanding of e-commerce because that e-commerce was uh kind of booming at that point of time so how we were able to take e-commerce and then transform that into a omnichannel uh, commerce concept at urban uh, is the first transformation that that I did and then uh, post that uh, lulu approached and and then we uh, basically found that middle east is a is a very good market the largest retailer in middle east uh, is lulu group and i had an opportunity to lead their transformation initiative and post that uh, since all the funds in the world are now uh, coming out of uh, the largest fund in, of pif in saudi arabia i said <laughs> let me move to saudi arabia uh, okay. and lead the transformation so that has been my journey uh, in a nutshell excellent um so since you used the word omni when you spoke of uh, you know urban lifestyle brands i wanted to you know probe a little more Uh, my own feeling is, uh, you know, the, that's the way the world is progressing. Everybody is saying the new customer journey is all omni. Uh, having said that, I, uh, you know, my own uh, observation is that it is still people treat it as a businesses have been treating it as multi-channel and not omni-channel, right? So there is the store and there is the e-commerce and there is there is a level of gap between this and uh, you know structurally, business-wise. Uh, there is a difference and when you look at it from a consumer perspective the experience is not seamless right to that extent i think arvind uh, was the first uh, company if i may say so in the indian context uh, who wanted to really build through omni and i think you guys also built a platform at some point in time right so if you That's can good. just explain uh, you know some of the thinking uh, challenges that you thought through which actually helped uh, you know navigate that course absolutely and i think uh, it was a very interesting phase 2015 16 uh, all the funding and money was being poured into uh, mintras flipkart amazon was uh, was coming in and so everybody thought that uh, at least in the category that uh, we are in uh, we were in uh, the fashion category there was very shift movement of of consumers to that channel and so there was a belief that uh, that channel will be the dominant channel and so we started with and uh, the, the founders uh, one of the founders son he predominantly started a, a separate company called arvind internet and they said that we should build a platform uh, with the likes of mintra with the likes of uh, flipkart and amazon and and do it and then soon the realization came in that either you can be a tech company or you can be a fashion company you cannot have both yeah and, yeah. and that is a big realization which came in and which is what i think uh, a lot of other retailers have have realized is that Uh, you cannot pretend to be both uh, unfortunately uh, although people call amazon as a retailer but amazon is a tech company yeah amazon is not a retailer at all 
uh, and hence that realization came in saying that yes we need to enable tech but only to the extent that it makes the life of the business easier and creates a good offer to the consumer i think that that's that's a tech which is needed rather than being uh, uh, a cutting edge technology provider uh, to a to a company which can actually give you a good customer experience this is what my previous boss uh, suresh uh, used to always tell we should be where the customer is we should never try to jump the gun and say that this is what is going to come in the next 5 years and then let me invent it i think you should make your business such that you should be able to serve the customer wherever the customer wants that choice from and i think that makes life so much clearer for retailers right is to say that you don't need to be inventive too much you need to be little bit of innovation is needed but i think you don't need to be disruptive enough from a technology perspective but try to understand and make your business so much more flexible and the question is how do you make it flexible and the answer to that is being omni channel i'll give you an example and uh, this is another example which i used to hear from uh, some of my colleagues in arvin so there is a there is a jeans that you make right the front of the jeans and the back of the jeans there are two pieces which are stitched together and so omni channel commerce is something like that in which you need to stitch the front and the back together now if the front and the back does not have the same fabrics does not have the same color does not have the same texture it will look very odd and that is what people are doing saying that you take a very digital uh, heavy or a digital savvy e-commerce organization and try to marry that with a very very uh, traditional brick and mortar company when you stitch that together as a, as a jeans i'm just giving that analogy the front and the back will look very different yeah and sometimes the front will move faster the back will move slower and vice versa and things like that and that is where omni channel becomes so much more difficult and we have have kind of given a lot of talks and uh, we actually prepared a omni channel playbook in which we realized that there are some 70 odd parameters which retailers need to do to really become true omni channel yeah it is still a journey i think we are still scratching from an industry perspective we are still scratching the surface of uh, becoming truly omni channel uh, from a from a context perspective but in arvin we realized that very early and hence almost all the fulfillment used to happen from our stores the 1500 stores that we had so we said that that would be our primary fulfillment channel and then that laid the foundation and uh, what what platforms we build which were totally integrated with our back end uh, brick and mortar solutions uh, when i left uh, we increased uh, when i joined it was sub 2% from an e-commerce perspective when i left it was about 8 to 10% and after i left since the platform was built we were able to build a lot of uh, synergies between the online and offline it went up to as high as 25 to 28% uh, during the covid times yeah and if that platform was not built that way lot of retailers other retailers had struggling uh, had struggle and they had to basically bring in uh, a lot of third party or basically said take and run my e-commerce yeah but if you had that platform built in that omni channel concept built in so you were able to scale up uh, to uh, to kind of change and react to the demand which was uh, kind of coming through that channel during the covid period no oh, excellent uh, and and uh, that's a great analogy in terms of jeans front and back i think i'll use it somewhere as well 
my question though is so uh, the the uh, the model or the platform enabled fulfillment from store to a large extent right that was the basis of the platform and success right equally when i talk to many retailers they talk about why fulfillment from store is difficult because the costs go up uh, you know managing in terms of availability is an issue because there is always a gap between what the data shows in terms of uh, availability and size availability and what is there on the store right i mean uh, it's it's a it's a known problem in retail right and so many retailers struggle with uh, you know delivering or fulfilling from store and uh, you know they talk about cost being uh, expanded where the cost will be allocated so there are questions of process there is a question of data there is a question of accounting right um so any 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 thoughts on how retailers should look at it is there a very simple way for them to look at it saying you know this is the only way and you know these are a few uh, three four top tick in the boxes one should do no i think you raised the very valid uh, problem statement uh, the biggest problem statement in physical retail is accuracy of inventory data right uh, to me uh, that is the biggest hurdle uh, that and until unless you have a single view of inventory a, a global single view of inventory you will never be able to solve this if you, if, you, if you don't have that problem and that is where data analytics a lot of uh, ai enabled platforms come into play uh, there's no uh, if you ask me is that a simple answer uh, to say that do these three things uh, you will be able to solve it every retailer has to go through it uh, i know adita billa is is trying to solve it in a different way uh, arvin uh, we used to create an abstraction of the global inventory and then try to build that uh, as an inventory layer uh, even in uh, Uh, Tesco, if you remember, uh, there was uh, this uh, central view of inventory which was trying to be built, which is abstracted from the uh, traditional store systems. Right now, uh, there would be a day. I am pretty sure it's not very far in which uh, the store systems will be advanced enough to give you the real accurate, almost 99.5 percent accurate inventory information. To uh, once that is solved, and I think retailers should solve that problem first. as as a concept the second problem that the retailer needs to solve is uh, the cost management the highest cost is all about storing and last mile delivery these are the two largest cost elements which are there now uh, in a fashion context it makes more sense to deliver from a store because there is a you know that there is a pair of jeans let's say 44 jeans which is lying there for more than 3 months and Uh, when the end of season um, comes end of season sale comes you will have to mark it down by 50 60 70% and get rid of it so rather than having that picked up and brought it back to the warehouse and then put it on end of season sale it is always advisable to use an ai uh, enabled algorithms to say that where is my stock uh, going to be uh, uh, liquidated from which are the highest stock points which are there and you basically intelligently work towards clearing of that inventory through the online channel yeah it is easier said than done uh, said than uh, done but i think if some retailers who have done it it will significantly improve your bottom line uh, very very easily yeah and that is where uh, fashion and uh, such specialty retail uh, kind of have to have a very different oms very different inventory orchestration layer 
to basically serve to the customer unlike the grocery and where the turns and everything are, are very different so i've seen that uh, uh, that part of uh, retail where your ability to work on an omni channel is so much more important because if you have a central warehouse your fulfillment cost suppose you you cannot have too many fulfillment centers if you have a central warehouse right but a store is there in every tier to tier 3 city so for example uh, let's say a store in lucknow for delivering from lucknow to muzaffarpur is hardly 30 40 rupees but delivering from bangalore all the way to muzaffarpur is a delay b high cost yeah and so for that kind of a uh, inventory and a network orchestration that you have you should be able to optimize and run that lot makes sense so my uh, next question is in terms of what role does a, a company or a geographical culture play in digital transformation right so you worked with tesco you worked with walmart uh, then you worked with arvind and now you are working with uh, you know you work with lulu you work with uh, panda retail my own feeling was when i worked with tesco obviously innovation strategic thinking used to happen we had this whole ops dev business and all that uh, but i used to feel uh, it was the innovation was a lot more possibly thought through and the other way of looking at it is a lot more cautious so to speak right whereas in the indian context i found that our ability to experiment to innovate is far higher right uh, but we may or may not necessarily move in lockstep so so one way is uh, you know when i look at it as a as a month on month or a quarter on quarter year on year it looks like we are uh, you know doing a lot of great stuff uh, in the indian context compared to uh, you know um, maybe the way it was in tesco or whatever right but then when i look at it over longer horizon let's say 2 years 3 years 4 years it looks like possibly they have caught up and done more than what we did over the 3 years though the activity level was high that's my own feeling right now you are someone who's got not only the experience of working in tesco and walmart you worked in the indian company and now you work with uh, you know working worked with one and now the other uh, you know large retailer in the uae uh, and and middle east right so what are your thoughts in terms of how, how do you see the nuances in terms of culture both geographical and company which impact digital transformation yeah and uh, to me uh, transformation as such as a word uh, is uh, is to transform and formulate yeah these are the two things which which come together so the first part is a difficult part which is where the uh, cultural nuances come the way you land or transform anything is very different from country to country and uh, believe me when we used to work in south korea and japan and china uh, you cannot be uh, very hazy yeah you have to be extremely clear as as leaders yeah i'm talking as leaders you need to be extremely prescriptive uh, to your subordinates yeah if you start from the uh, east part of it so the the juniors uh, or the larger team would want you to be seen as a leader who is telling you that this is how transform transform has to happen yeah so for example if somebody has to uh, implement a change in the inventory management process you will have to define sit down get consensus but very clearly lead and define and be very prescriptive in terms of doing that whereas if you move to a little west it is more collaborative in nature if you be very prescriptive there you will be shot down and you will be 
uh, seen as somebody who is trying to be bully and uh, and things like that and hence you need to be we used to have this uh, taking people along as as a, as a as a value right it's yeah. a very important value right but it is it is more a western uh, kind of a mindset yeah what what india is india is a mixture of both these yeah and uh, you cannot be too prescriptive in terms of be bossy because then there will be politics in terms of people will try to pull you down and and things like that whereas you cannot be too collaborative also otherwise you, there will be no decision which will be made yeah and so that is the fine line where india is playing now in which we know exactly the pace at which we will be able to transform and make these changes and that is why we are we are able to adapt much faster when we go to so when i work with uh, uh, more western clients and uh, western stakeholders i've seen that for them taking step by step uh, uh, creating a structured approach creating a process oriented view of things makes much more uh, resonance with them whereas when you work with uh, some of the other uh, uh, stakeholders you have to be little more pr- uh, prescriptive but but overall i think everybody faces challenges in terms of transformation that is very very clear yeah wherever wherever in the world you go so for example uh, with walmart uh, i used to work with uh, the south african business uh, quite a lot and uh, so uh, as you would know that uh, in in that kind of a context uh, your change management becomes so much more difficult and that is what uh, i have seen across the world is that uh, change management is uh, very much uh, related to the business operating model plus the cultural nuances of that country and so both of them put together you need to make sure that you understand uh, not only the cultural nuances but also the business operating model because the way uh, a company works may be different from the b company works and so it is very very different so my uh, my learning from all this is as as a leader you need to be transformative and a change agent for 80% of your role as a leader the 20% is all about thinking innovation trying to uh, make sure that all the things that you have put in your strategy is executed well whereas the execution will be done by a larger set of teams below got it <clears throat> so now uh, you know one of the questions that I, i i keep wondering about is there is this whole concept of chief data and analytics officer in many organizations right and now as it is you know as ai becomes uh, more mainstream uh, when i talk to engineers there is a lot of tech development that is involved in it there is a lot of data engineering involved there is a lot of tech development and modeling that is involved and so when i look at business analytics of 10 12 15 years back where i thought most of the people were people who came more from business and possibly antiquity now i find lot of them needing to have a lot more of the tech understanding part of it right and so again you have various organizations the chief antics officer either being part of the business or that whole thing in some sense the ai head or whatever rolling up under the cio's office and and i find multiple such formats right and there's no right or wrong answer as i've seen because i've worked in organizations where uh, it has been one or the other right so what are your thoughts on this you know with the way ai is fast evolving uh, right there is one part where context becomes extremely important which can come only from business 
on the other side equally uh, you know most of the projects that are happening require a level of data engineering endpoint integration all that so otherwise the model is built and you know productionizing it becomes a challenge right so what are your thoughts have you come across this challenges and you know what are the pluses and minuses of any of these models yeah and uh, i have a uh, kind of a little strong view on this saying that if you don't know uh, how to solve a problem you create a cxo out of it yeah and that is what is happening in the industry mm-hmm. so you don't know how to solve the data problem in an enterprise you create something called as a chief data officer now these are these are roles which are to be embedded in each and every part of the function so thomas devonport uh, when uh, started this uh, talk about data analytics he said it has to be a data led data driven decision making organization he never said that create a uh, data engineering team which is sitting in uh, somewhere in silicon valley and then you will be able to solve all your problems uh, and to me uh, if you are a very very large enterprise in which there are millions of people uh, then maybe you can want to build some consolidation of capability but will that solve your problems and I'll, I'll i'll give you that example that we were talking about earlier is that uh, retailers are facing a problem in terms of having a single view global view of inventory as, as a problem now will that problem be solved by creating a, a very sophisticated ai data ml analytics team under a chief data officer or a chief analytics officer or a chief ai officer maybe not yeah because it's not a problem for them to solve it is for the store operations team to understand what is not allowing that data to be uh, flown seamlessly with the enterprise architect and then trying to create a tech platform which can solve that as a problem and so uh, to me to me what is why this is happening is there's a transition in terms of technology teams which are happening and this is what uh, i have seen uh, across uh, the 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 organizations that have led it there is a legacy technology team which is the biggest burden to the enterprises of now yeah they don't understand modern ways of working be it agile uh, and very fast ways of working they don't understand the concept of open source cloud cloud native organization uh, native application and things like that and they don't understand how to use and manipulate data because they have come from the traditional rdbms mindset yeah whereas the world has actually moved on now to overcome this problem if you say that no this does not work with this guy that's why i have to have a separate team maybe it's a very very temporary solution that you are trying to build in yeah but until unless you change your core applications and make them cloud native make them data ready for the organizations to start in using that data for you will still not be able to get that data and that is where uh, i don't know whether you saw that statistics maybe a little old but i think Uh, in 2020 howard did a study 2021 and they found that organizations use only 4% of the data mm. so what yeah. is happening with the 96% of the data i i'm pretty sure with all the advances which has happened this would have moved to hardly 10% still we are talking about 90% of the data not easily available accessible by the people who want to use that data for and so there are two problems one data is not available in the format and easily to the people who want to use it that is problem number one problem number two is the people who want to use it don't know a data science driven approach of solving problem solving business problem using data so there are multiple both these problems are there 
and you are trying to solve this by creating a separate team which will solve this as a problem to me that is a very very wrong way of approaching the problem you should make sure that you should solve these two things saying that how can i make my data accessible so i run an exercise within my company to say that what are the data points which the business wants i say write down all the data points which the business wants for decision making how can we make it read readily available and accessible to the business that is point number one point number two i say is the business using this data as a report or as insight yeah mm. that is the first first uh, step that you need to do once the insight is there then you need to take an action so you need to move that uh, from uh, we, we say from uh, kind of whatever it is to prescriptive uh, modeling right it's a journey which every every organization needs to go through so rather than solving this as an issue we are trying to create capabilities uh, which obviously the vendors the data analytics because data analytics and uh, ai and all those things are uh, the buzzwords they want to create something which is very unique from uh, the core enterprise and as a leader of digital transformation in a company i cannot leave a large part of my team behind and say that okay only uh, there are a few set of people who will do ai and stuff like that i have to embed that ai within my erp system i have to embed that ai, AI into my store systems i have to embed that into my uh, infrastructure and monitoring then only i will get the real value of it rather than having pockets of expertise which will then uh, create issues and that's why i think they are they 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 rely on core applications the core applications don't work with them so there are a lot of issues at a, at an enterprise level it may make sense from a gcc perspective to very easily say that okay i created a ai and uh, analytics capability but how much impact does it have back on the enterprise how much value are you creating uh, of that is a very long journey if you do it as a siloed approach got it so your point is if it's not embedded as part of the larger digital transformation organization you're saying uh, it is just trying to move the problem to some other space and the business will not see the impact uh, of it from a business outcome perspective correct and and in some cases what has happened is sometimes the digital organization has failed it themselves because they have not upskilled themselves so businesses guys you guys are uh, outdated i will do on my own uh, that is why a lot of data uh, officers lot of analytics officers lot of ai officers are now sitting within the business now uh, they don't know how to build applications at scale also yeah and ai analytics and all that is all about building applications at scale right Correct. they may see the front end they may see a few things saying that okay this is a best forecasting algorithm which i would want to do they would say that okay these are the techniques which are there but how to build it at a uh, scale where, wherein you can process uh, uh, millions and millions of record within milliseconds is an engineering problem so it, it is not a siloed problem in which you can say that i will take just an analytics problem and then try to solve it which is uh, the term that i use uh, i call a lot of people in the industry as desktop data scientist yeah uh, if you are a desktop data scientist you can create the best model but it will never see the life in, in a production environment because it it was never built with that application uh, at scale mindset or a cloud native uh, application mindset so it it's a difficult problem i know i'm trying to generalize it but at, uh, when i look at from an enterprise when i lead an enterprise uh, transformation journey if i try to build uh, two different uh, paths it will be very difficult at a later point of time to merge them together and trying to get holistic view and benefit out of it got it got it so that brings me to the uh, next question which is uh, 
the world is moving to omni i mean today even you know even today maybe 70% of sales is happening in stores but the general feel is today 90% of worldwide commerce is digitally influenced it is likely to move forward right um so any any examples of how you created digital engagement in stores to you know have some sort of a digital footprint or exhaust for customers are there any innovations you can think of either in the role that you played or somewhere you saw where uh, so one of the advantages of having the digital side of it when people come on a website and app there's a lot of digital footprint what did they browse what how much time did they spend uh, what did they like what did they not like as opposed to a store where you know you even don't know how much time they spent in the store or even if you know who walked in and who didn't walk out uh, right who didn't who walked in who walked out there's no information right and which is uh, essentially i keep saying that for every dollar of uh, sales that you have in a store uh for the same amount in in the digital world you have 1000 times more of uh, data available about a customer literally right uh, and so if you really need to move along the omni journey then you need to create more and more ways of having a data footprint of customers in the physical world as well right any any innovations or any things that you have seen which you think are great in terms of providing customer experience and also serving the need for a business to get a little more of data for print of their customers yeah, and this is a this is a very good question maha and i think all the retailers are uh, struggling to understand uh, the details of it and i'll tell you why uh, because the organizations are looking from their own perspective so for them it is like commerce yeah saying that okay somebody walked into the store somebody walked uh, on my website somebody looked at my social handle somebody looked at my whatsapp commerce channel and so on so you look at customer as silos of customers whereas the customer who is coming to you uh, coming to let's say panda does not see you like that he does not say that okay uh, i i went to the ecom of panda i went to the whatsapp of panda i went to panda he will say yeah and that is the mindset change that needs to happen and it's happening but i think uh, one of the things is that rather than stitching this commerce together which is more a commerce view and then people will say that build a standard oms and uh, build a standard commerce platform to me that is uh, proven to be not very successful from a building a true omni channel experience to the customer what you need to do is you need to take a first step of stitching the journey of the customer between various channels seamlessly that is the first thing yeah and so there are some uh, 13 14 scenarios either you can start your journey digital go to a store and and so various channels uh, you can go through uh, store and then go to digital you can uh, you can merge and mix and you can have uh, pick up from store deliver from store and, and so so there are 13 14 journeys which are there right now if you do it from a commerce perspective what you are doing is you are trying to solve your problem as an enterprise yeah and which is what we did at, at that point of time with arvin we said that we'll try to build all these journeys centrally so that anything that the customer so suppose somebody says i i started my journey online i could not complete it then you basically channelize that person to the store and then maybe some person will come in somebody came to the store did not find it then you say that okay no this this size is not available how can you transform and merge that journey from an online perspective and say that don't worry it will be delivered to your home okay and then there are multiple of these permutation combination which are which we solved as a commerce problem now what true omni channel to me is is that you need to 
give a very seamless experience to the customer the customer is still seeing you as store online offline uh, either omni channel direct from store or direct from warehouse and, and stuff like that so if you have to do this transformation from an omni channel perspective what we say is in that roadmap uh, book that we are uh, working on is that first you want to do this cx transformation journey for an enterprise in which you start collecting which is the very valid point that you are uh, uh, kind of talking about is that start collecting data points of the customer interactions and engagements why e-commerce was able to scale faster is because it was able to get that customer behavior in insight and information at scale for other channels apart from e-commerce we don't have any data of the customer yeah the the, the guy comes in he spends 2 hours in the store and then he walks into my checkout that is the first time that i kind of digitally understand what that customer is looking for and there also we give a very pathetic experience in terms of queues and uh, items not being scanned and prices not correct and and so on and so forth the first digital interaction of the customer in the store is a very very friction uh, uh, an experience which is filled with friction yeah so how we can eliminate that and then create a digital touch point and an experience from a digital customer experience perspective and we are working today and there are a lot of companies in the uh, in, in the world who are trying to create that a single customer interaction platform yeah in which you basically say that okay how can i interact with the customer yeah either you can say that no there is a email bombard which is there there is an sms bombard which is there is a whatsapp bombard which is there or you can say that i can do a large uh, outdoor media uh, ad which is there but these are all siloed you don't know what so it it, it is very much possible that uh, i walk out from the uh, from the store i get an offer which i have already availed for it is very much likely which is which is which is happening so you are not taking the customer to the level that the customer is expecting and that is why I, i always say that customer is always a step ahead from what the retailer is offering in the worldwide yeah so step number 1 look at customer holistically draw a customer journey map not from a channel perspective but from overall interaction perspective where are the customer touch points for a enterprise that is looking for it could be pre commerce commerce and post commerce yeah and what happens is people typically just focus on the commerce part but most of the decision happens in the pre commerce or in the post commerce yeah your impression is actually built in these two these two buckets commerce is very simple obviously if you have not solved commerce then nothing uh, you are at ground zero but if you have solved commerce you have still not solved the puzzle you look at what pre commerce means what are the things that he is shopping for what are the things that he is looking for there are tools which are available in today's world for you to get that customer data bring that customer data together create a holistic view of the customer and say that look this is what maha as a customer looks to me he is probably this kind of a shopper he may like these kind of things so then i will have to then personalize personalization as a concept has been there for very long but it is all related to saying that maha bought a t-shirt so maybe maha buys another t-shirt but that is absolutely not personalization which is there yeah personalization is much beyond that uh, which people need to build and so once you build that customer data platform then you basically look at analytics look at ai to then define and decide what the persona of that of the customer is 
then you start offering now we are trying to do the problem other way around in which there are personalization engine which will say that you give me your <coughs> transaction data and then i'll tell you what the customer is looking for i said from transaction data you can have hardly hardly find anything so these are the kind of steps that enterprises need to take to create a omni channel view and experience for the customer you got it so uh, let us now talk of the thing that uh, two things which are doing the rounds today uh, being spoken of lot more at least one is in the indian context this whole data privacy thing right i mean gdpr has existed for some time now you know the data uh, protection bill actually got passed in the indian context and uh, uh, you know in the indian market at least Uh, most customers were comfortable sharing their mobile numbers data and all that right uh, uh, europe was obviously a lot more advanced followed by the us and i think other advanced markets have been a little more uh, you know uh, taking higher cognizance about uh, customer confidentiality and privacy uh, how do you see that playing out i mean uh, is it is 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 the level of data uh, protection privacy already high in the middle east Uh, or is it somewhere in between and you know how do you think uh, businesses will flex and search to take care of this sure i think that's a very uh, valid point and i think uh, to me uh, the if i may if i may say that the digital native companies had a undue advantage over data right uh, now what is happening is uh, be it uh, even the uh, we talk about data protection bill they Uh, the cookie uh, usage uh, which is going to stop next year uh, that is going to create a level playing field now uh, you are giving the customer is giving free data to all the uh, commerce players all the uh, marketing players on the digital uh, space uh, free of cost and they have been using that data uh, to make substantial gains right now what these uh, laws try to bring in is try to create a level playing field between all the all the players who are there as you said 70 80% of commerce still happens offline and uh, they have zero data i don't have any data of what the customer is coming and doing within my store apart from anonymous data which is there so uh, these laws are good uh, then it 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 creates two things it builds trust of the customer and i think that is that is to me very very important right uh, we know uh, i know in indian context we take it very lightly but uh, at least in this part of the world and in the western part uh, anybody calling you uh, very very easily uh, is not a very welcome gesture uh, if if somebody calls you uh, and tries to sell you something uh, maybe that that uh, merchant can be very easily blacklisted so those kind of uh, undue advantage of people who are misusing data uh, will be eliminated and creating a much more uh, honest and a trustworthy environment for the customer and so i always support and welcome those uh, and and it creates a uh, level playing field by building greater trust with the customers yeah. and the other part obviously made famous by this whole chat gpt stuff is this whole generative ai business i also heard somewhere you talking of generative retail um so you know if you can just expand on you know uh, i mean now generative is the buzzword uh, but in terms of when you say generative retail what do you mean is it moving in the personalization realm is it being ability to not just uh, personalize content at scale and speed but also 
products and offerings at scale and speed experience at scale and speed what exactly had you you had in mind when you spoke of the word generating retail in the future so couple of things right one is on the operation side and one is on the customer side now uh, as i was talking in the previous uh, part is that we still know we are just scratching the surface about uh, understanding the customer behavior customer persona customer details and things like that and to me that is a big area where uh, if you are able to manage your own customer data platform very very efficiently you will be able to make uh, recommendations which are much more intelligent Uh, all all the recommendations today that we uh, know and see are all uni unidirectional or uni or siloed in uh, from a context perspective if you are able to build that as a whole journey and then are able to do that that to me is the next evolution of generative uh, retail in which you are able to understand the customer much better so that you are able to serve the needs of the customer much better on the operation side still everything is driven by human being so for example what to buy how much to buy where to store how much to store i know there are algorithms but they are still triggered from the human side as we speak as we uh, as of today right so somebody says that okay give me a good uh, replenishment schedule right and then you basically build on the replenishment parameters and then you are able to build a replenishment schedule now the day is not far i'm i'm saying uh, 7 8 10 years uh, it is it is very much possible that a large part of this decision making of what to what to buy where to buy how to buy what to store where to store and uh, how to ship can be used uh, can be automated using generative ai yeah uh, and uh, obviously it is not about the chat gpt as such as a, as a context but yeah you need to build in those algorithmic uh, retail solutions which are there which understand your context and able to prescribe to the operations and the ways of working rather than you being asking what is going to happen it will be more prescriptive from an algorithm perspectives okay so this is the last question which is uh, anybody who wants to be in the transformation space be it tech be it ai what are the top two things you would recommend for any aspiring um, tech data person who wants to really do well in the retail transformation space right what would be your top two or advisory advice be for them few things uh, one is obviously uh, put yourself in the middle of the transformation don't do it from outside yeah that is that is one thing and that is where a lot of people so for example i've seen a lot of uh, cios now what there is a big debate which is happening uh, what is the difference between a cio and a chief digital officer yeah and there is constant debate so i, I i see that uh, a lot of uh, discussion which is happening in that in that context and uh, what i tell uh, my colleagues and my fraternity is that what is it what is the transformation that you have built on your own have you looked at a transformation within yourself first as an as a leader before you can say that okay i want to become a chief digital officer or i want to uh, do something different now uh, to me that is the first part that everyone should look at right there are people let's say uh, who come from more let's say more from infrastructure background and there are a lot of cios who come from infrastructure background they don't have too much of a business context and a business knowledge for them to become a chief digital officer would be a big uphill task because they came from a very tech uh, savvy and a tech uh, dominated function so first try to understand and bring yourself within that transformation journey b make sure that you have 
good people to support you yeah in your vision because i know leadership is important but transformation is all about making sure that it reaches to the masses it is less top down but it is a mixture of top down and uh, bottom up blended together yeah until yeah. unless you are able to instill that uh, urge for people to change at the grassroots level how much ever structurally clear you are in the transformation journey you will never be able to land that transformation very well and three is it always takes its own time so be patient don't rush it through yeah. it takes huge amount of effort but if you do it well you will be able to see that journey if things are slow in some enterprises it will be slow some enterprises it will be fast so pace yourself based on the pace of change within the company and you will be able to see the benefits so these are the three things that i feel is important from a transformation leader perspective great so you need to be part of the transformation in the transformation um surround yourself with good people who are aligned with your vision uh, right and third is uh, your pace of transformation uh, has to dovetail with the organization space and uh, you have to be patient about it and, and move at the organization space to make it happen great extremely well put peesh thank you so much for making time and talking to us it was a pleasure really learned uh during our conversation over the last 45 to 50 minutes thanks so much and thanks again thank you maha it was nice chatting with you uh, very intelligent questions and thank you so much for having me